Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Oscar Isaac Acting Appreciation Society. No, <laughs> no, wait, sorry. This is the meeting of the Talking Hippos Appreciation Society. No, no, wait. This is actually superhero ethics, which is not just the Moon Knight show, but honestly, Moon Knight is giving us so much to talk about every episode that we got a lot to talk about. And so here we are back to talk about Moon Knight Episode 5, right here on Superhero Ethics with myself, Paul Hoppy, and Will Freeland, right after this commercial break, that we have absolutely... 100% zero control over. Welcome back. My name is Matthew, your host. Uh, if you're watching us on video, you'd see two bouncing gremlins in my video screens named Paul <laughs> Hoppy and Will Freeland. Uh, let's start with Mr. Will Freeland. How are you doing today? Hi. I'm okay. Today, today I'm a little burnt out on work. Um, it's just it's just one of those days, I guess. Mm-hmm. Kind of one of those weeks. I hear I'm not the only one. Other people that I've been talking to have been kind of burnt out as well. So maybe it's not just me. But uh, but watching Moon Knight at midnight was um, a huge highlight to my week. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see how in the text messages you sent, I could see how much you were like biting back the spoiler comments you wanted to make, and just I just got this random message like, wow. <laughs> we'll have a lot to discuss well uh, there's 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 this rule in like the stranded panda facebook group of just like even putting like your full like reaction to stuff is semi-spoiler and so like i didn't mm-hmm. i can't do a spoiler like nesting within a facebook message so mm-hmm. i could only just say wow yeah that's yeah. I, I will say, however strict the Stranded Panda rules about spoilers are, and they are fairly strict, uh, one, Mr. Paul Hoppy's rules are quite stricter. Yep. Um, Can't so tell me really who the director is. But yeah, uh, Paul, what are you? How, how's today treating you? Yeah, I'm voting for burned out on work, but like still on fire too. I don't know. I tried to watch 25 hours of coaching material in the last 24 hours, which is what happens when you put something on 2x speed and spend half your time doing a thing. Um, came up a little short, but it was still very um, invigorating and <laughs> exhausting. So, yeah. So imagine. if I'm a little squirrely today, that's why. I did watch Moon Knight at midnight and then went to sleep and woke up and watched another 10 hours of poker videos. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. I have spent a good deal of the last 72 hours trying to tell people that when someone says, please call me by these pronouns, refusing to do so is actually not a very nice thing to do. That's such a dick move. Right? Um, yet it was a matter of recent contention within my work community. So it's been a it's been a busy couple of days, but but rewarding. And, uh, you know, stuff. I, I, it made me like remember why I love my job, but also just a lot of oof, humanity. So, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we have this kind of lighthearted escapist show that just is about like, you know, Egyptian gods and fun moon things and cool combat. Oh, wait, no, that's not what the show is. This was I think this was the most emotionally harrowing episode that I have seen on Disney Marvel. Um, absolutely. Not necessarily sure it's the best, although it's absolutely probably in the top five. Uh, it might well be the best, but it was just like, yeah. I what'd you all think of the episode? My jaw dropped uh, multiple times. I um, <clears throat> I was just I'm I'm leaning forward the entire episode, just like 
as in gr- trying to fill up my entire uh, field of vision of just the screen so I have zero possible distractions. Um, it was... It was so amazing. I I said last week that I didn't think we'd get an entire episode in the asylum because I didn't think there would be much to do there. And I was thoroughly wrong. And I am Mm -hmm. so happy with what they did with it. That was that was wild. That was absolutely wild. Although were they in the asylum the whole time? Well, okay. Or were they so, never in the asylum? <laughs> right. That's so, the question. The, the, it was an entire True. episode dealing with deep journeys into into the brain and the mind right, for sure. and the disordered working of such. Yes. Um, I didn't think they could move the story forward in the realm of whatever we were dealing with at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in and and big picture i guess they didn't necessarily move the story forward that far they moved it back they did a lot <laughs> of backfill a yeah, lot yeah. of of origin and that was totally fine <laughs> yeah i feel Probably like in a way. lot of ways this episode was a mirror of the wandavision penultimate episode where agatha mm. kind of took her on a journey through her past mm-hmm. Right through yeah, her past to figure out why she's why she why is she way. is who she is, and this uh-huh. I feel like this episode did basically the same thing. Um, I think I liked this episode better. There were still it, it was it, it it felt a little shark jumpy in some ways to me. Like, but on the other hand, it's also kind of just like committing to the bit, like basically being like, "Look, we're gonna yes, we're going to ride a boat through the underworld at magic hour, and you know, talk about." dying and how that works in the mcu which like okay you know Uh but like the actual interactions between the people i really enjoyed a lot um yeah and and yeah i did enjoy that setting being a substantial like the whole episode was framed within the setting but Mm -hmm. they delved out of it by going through different doors is that similar to how that setting's used in the comics or is it like pretty different uh in in the comics as far as when they're referencing this um when they're pulling from the the where the storyline that he's in like a mental hospital and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff there is a, a a handful of similarities of using doors to jump scenes and such as soon as he gets outside in the comics the first time he goes outside, he sees a giant sprawling Egyptian cityscape, and oh, it's wow. very strange. And it yeah. and, and it's a total. Everything is white inside, and then when you get outside, it's all blacks and reds, and yeah. it's it's very jarring. And so when they did that in the episode, I was like, "Oh, that's really fun." And, and so like that was fine. But the um, having each door being like a different memory mm-hmm. to explore. Uh, Mark Spector's past that is different because his past has already been explored oh, in yeah. other like comics and stuff and so right. this was in the comics it's much more focused on what story they want to tell here I see. instead of like establishing a get to know me right here it was like a manner of revealing all the backstory that we've been speculating mm-hmm. on to this point yeah. yeah and for me I kind of have two feelings on the whole talking hipponess of it and what you're saying about the jumping the shark I think it definitely had the potential for that I think for me I just found the talking hippo kind of adorable, but but more yeah. importantly, 
I don't think it would have worked in an episode where the rest of it wasn't this incredibly dark. Mm. And not even dark, but just dealing with, like, very real, very emotionally traumatic topics. Right. Grounded, if you will. Yeah, and I think you kind of needed some of the, like, the the ridiculous silliness just to kind of have a moment of, like, God, not everything in the world is awful and terrible. Right. Um, The other thing, though, is I – if I thought this was saying – here is what is actually happening. The Egyptians were right about the underworld. I think I would feel the way you do. Or at least if I understand what you're saying, and maybe I misunderstood. I, I think, that, to me, I think the line that I think I most understood in this episode was when they kind of said, look, on some level, Mark, you are currently dying in this tomb where you've been shot, and everything that's happening right now is what's going on in your head. Right, And so... Maybe that is that he is on some level, his spirit, his, uh, you know, whatever is, is going to the Egyptian underworld. Maybe that is entirely his subconscious because that's how he has learned to think about those things. Plus with the push that Khonshu was giving him, like, I, I felt like there was enough of a mystery around it that it wasn't entirely clear. Um, and we'll see where that goes next episode. Cause yeah, I think especially after what they did with the Norse gods, it would feel a little weird if they were like, okay, most gods are actually like aliens or other things, but no, the Egyptian gods are real. Like that's actually a religious <laughs> statement the show is making. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure what I can say about it. Um, the, I mean, the idea that that is or isn't religious, but that the Norse like are, I don't know. It's, it's messy. <laughs> It, I feel like there is room for it to be like, mm, what are you doing? But like, on the other hand, it's like, I don't know. Why not? Like, sure. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, what does it even mean to be a god on some level? Like, they just are some sort of beings, right? Like, and they're doing what they do. And like, this is, you know, what does it mean to die in the MCU? I don't know. You know, um, have we had ghosts or something or basically people just come back to life because they never really died or somehow they're from another timeline or um, they go to Tahiti? Yeah, I think I, I don't think we've ever had a character who has experienced like actual physical brain death dead and then come back to life in a way that wasn't scientific or like the, we have never right. had anything about like an afterlife or spiritualness or ghosts or. I think I um well I mean isn't um um uh rough Rider, not rough rider god that's wrong ghost rider um, ghost rider ghost rider I think has has literally had, but they but that's all like spirits trapped in the necronomicon so uh, and that's also know. agents of shield as opposed yeah, to yeah we are we considering agents you know. fully canon or is it still like canon adjacent like semi canon there are definitely parts of it that don't fit canon so yeah I think it's considered can't can't it, it is in the same place that the netflix mcu is right in theory which is that is probably just another verse and then they will cross over to the point that is convenient and it still probably won't make tons of sense but like people go oh it's got so-and-so colson's back you know right yeah. okay cool <laughs> exactly exactly man the first two seasons of agents were so as connected as they could be considering like yeah timelines and writing schedules and stuff but oh, stay on target so stay on target yep um, sorry <laughs> so much to talk about to be sure uh okay so yeah so let's first why don't you kind of maybe break it down by the different kind of like worlds they were in uh so first in terms of the you know egyptian boat of the dead and we can talk about whether it was like you know sailing over or jumping over the shark or whatever 
Um, but beyond that, kind of, I thought it was an interesting conceit of, first of all, for both of them, but this idea of like their lives being judged, you know, because I think at least for Mark, it seems part of what we're learning is that that's, that's his entire thing right now is he's, he, he has had his worthiness to live questioned since he was a very young kid by, by the horrible situation that happened with his brother and his mother. Um, so there I was like, let's let's focus just on what happens on the boat, but then immediately went to what we saw happen in the past. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, just like from the the, the the situation on the boat with the scales and stuff like that, what did you take away from that scene? Those scenes? I guess, I guess there's a cynical um, takeaway on the resolution of the scales of like, if you have someone who is, who has DID, they can't be fully judged until there's only like one personality or one like identity in control or in existence. When like, cause the scales didn't necessarily come to balance until Steven was removed from the equation mm-hmm. and fell into the sand. And that seems, I mean, there's a, uh, there's a clickbait article title somewhere in that situation yeah, yeah. in that scene yeah. um but i i i liked i liked the the like off balance perspective because steven and mark are so different that right. the the two for lack of a better phrase the two souls are in contention with each other but i also felt like that should have been what brings the balance to they're like weighing, mm. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like they balance one another out, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, one thing I was struck by, and yeah, I think at this point, trying to stick to one particular venue at a time, that's eh, a dumb idea. <laughs> we can talk about like, different aspects of the episode. I was very struck by how much these two personalities now care about, not only just like need each other, but care about each other, and how mm-hmm. much like, uh, you know, we saw kind of at the end of last episode, uh, the. We saw during last episode just the utter joy they had of being able to experience each other, not just looking in a mirror, but also just the utter panic that both of them have when either one's in danger and the extent to which, well, there's some self-serving in Mark protecting Steven with getting to that whole situation, but also just the, the degree to which both of them are so scared when the other one's in danger and then how Mark reacts when Steven goes off the edge. Um to me, that's so different from where the two the two personalities were just a couple of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was really great development. Um, I I think if it is like a literal, there's these gods and they're like weighing the hearts of humans or whatever. Like, whatever. They're a bunch of a holes and like I'm I don't know. <laughs> but like, if like this is a metaphor for what's if this is like what's going on in his mind. Because right. there is this conflict between, you know, these two personalities, but that they are coming to appreciate one another and sort of see themselves as both being important, not, like seeing what's important in themselves, but also what's important in the other personality. Um, I think that's a very, um, oh, I just realized something. Um, I think that's a very cool idea and and a very like kind of a touching one you know and and beyond like the however it relates to did i think it can you can also kind of extrapolate into just any person the idea that like 
you know, we're, we're complex beings, right? Like we, we're not always just one thing or another and kind of coming to terms with like all of the parts of ourselves and accepting all of us as who we are, I think is, um, is powerful. Yeah, no, I think it's very true. And one thing I think, um, I want to be very clear that, um, none of the three of us are psychotherapy experts. And so we're going to talk about that scene as lay people, uh, yeah. I have a guest who's going to be coming on. I was hoping she'd come on today. Unfortunately, she got COVID. Uh, it is still a concern, people. Please wear your masks in places where you should be wearing your masks, even if people tell you you shouldn't be. Um, but and, and for the love of God, get vaccinated and boosted, please, if you haven't already. Um, but, you know, so uh, I was hoping she'd be on for this episode. I didn't realize how important it would be, but clearly we want her on. She's got COVID. She'll be on probably either for next episode or as kind of a season wrap-up. We'll go into much more detail about the actual understanding of DID. I've done a little bit of research on this, and so I have a little bit of understanding that I'll, I'll but we're mostly going to talk about this, like what we experience in the show as lay people. Um, but certainly, from the little bit I understand, this goes to what you're saying, Paul. DID is, it's not like a situation that, like, it is a person who has di- disassociative identity disorder. Like lots of people disassociate. Right. It isn't quite to that level, and and there there probably is some kind of like clear break line between when it clearly becomes DID. But I think that certainly the idea that people have like distinctly different parts of their personality, and you know it could be the person who like goes into kind of like a childlike state because of, a, a, maybe because just they choose to because they find that healthy or cathartic. Or because that's their reaction to trauma or because, you know, it's, it, it, and it's not a full disassociation, but it's kind of like a different state of mind. Or you can go into, you know, people who just get very like, okay, I cannot feel my emotions right now. I have to disassociate from my emotions. I just have to fix the problem and, and then, then I can feel emotions 36 hours from now. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. That's something that, that's – it's obviously about a very specific situation, but it's one that a lot of other people I think can relate to as well. So let's talk about that. I mean, you know, I think the main thing that happened in this episode is we finally got the backstory of, well, A, how Mark and Conchu got together, but but where Stephen comes from. And that's that one thing we were talking about was like, it, is Stephen or the dissociative identity disorder, disorder in part a result of Conchu? And I think what we should, first of all, the first question kind of get into is, so how do you feel that now that we've seen that whatever Mark is going through started 30 years before he ever met Conchu? I think it makes sense in terms of mm-hmm. as a story, you know, um, and, you know, Kanshu kind of taking advantage of Mark, like, uh, you know, taking advantage of him. Yeah. But like, he was also dying. So I don't know. Right. Like, you know, he had a lot of leverage and he used yeah. the leverage. Right. Um, it's, it seems like he wasn't targeting him because of, you know, the whole Mark and, and Stephen bit. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a powerful story. What, what happened as a child. I do think if there is a third personality, I think maybe, maybe that has something to do with the backstory, whatever happened in the cave, but kind of like also hopefully not, you know, cause I feel like on some level that would kind of vindicate his mom. Oh, that was Mark doing something intent. Yeah, I right, but like that—that that wasn't think, Mark. But it—it it does that. I feel like that. I wouldn't like that. Yeah, and I, I don't think that would fit the idea because disassociative identity disorder is generally a response to childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. 
and the trauma begins after the death of the well right with it the begins death at the, the death of, right i mean right. or the the events leading up to it the yeah. the tragedy uh, yeah so i would say to me that is a i would definitely not like that it would not fit the definition of did it's exactly the kind of thing that I'm sure someone in the writer's room suggested exactly that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And I'm yeah. hoping they got talked out of it, but we'll kind of see. Yeah. Um, Will, what about you? How would you feel about the, the getting to see that story? Um, I I really liked it. So from a, from a I read too many comics perspective, mm-hmm. uh, I saw it as a, oh, they closed off this storyline kind of a thing because his brother is involved in like a couple of storylines in the comics but um so <laughs> like this is it's it's a great story and I think they I I think they did an amazing job with it and um yeah I can't even imagine I mean, we didn't we I appreciate that they let our imagination come up with what happened in the cave I don't think we need to see it yeah. Um. Like I just can't. I can't imagine whatever the situation was in there. I mean, his brother is not as as uh as slim or as fit as Mark was at that age, mm-hmm. and so like I kind of feel like clearly there was a physical ability or a physical inability to survive in the cave right. when the water was coming down. And well, his I, brother's I just younger, I that. think. Right? Yeah. His younger, brother was too, younger. Yeah. 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 Um and I don't think we need to see that. <laughs> yeah. Um that that was just that was really tough to the, those handful of scenes were so tough to watch. I think yeah, it's funny I didn't even thought of that but I feel like if we had seen that it would open the door for us to sort of frame by frame analyze what Mark does and ask is should we hold him responsible in some way. Mm-hmm. And like I to me I think by not showing it you're kind of like he's an 8-year-old kid. Yeah. Like Yes, you asked if you're actually worried about the safety of your of your child, you don't depend upon your 8-year-old to keep your 6-year-old safe. Like and also like even if he was like I I think the clear indication is that the mother doesn't think Stephen did enough and that Stephen doesn't think he did enough. But I also think in a situation like that Stephen might have done everything he possibly could have and it might not have helped helped, you know, because it's a 6 mark, yeah, yeah mark. Um so yeah, so I, I I think you're right that it it would it would have been hard to watch that, but I also think it's in some ways it's better that we didn't because it lets us really focus on yeah. It's funny because like I don't I think what the mother do, I think blaming a child for that is monstrous. Yeah, I also definitely understand not in any way justify or escape or like kind of condone. But I also understand the, like how much the mother is acting out of her own pain and trauma and then doing the thing people way too often do with pain and trauma is they find someone else to blame and take it out on them. I mean, Can we also take a quick second to uh, highlight how hard that the, the father is trying? We don't usually see a whole lot of um, uh, overly loving and caring father figures. <laughs> Yeah. in in stories and he you know like that's still the woman he loved and had two children with and that's also his child that he's trying to like be there for and help be happy to some degree that was 
yeah he's yeah. he's there trying to hold the family together and it's just not mm-hmm. possible yeah. or it's just not working and mm-hmm. right um yeah I, th- I think with the mom i think i mean it's you know understandable and horrible mm-hmm. as a lot of horrible things are on some level um also i think maybe her blaming mark is a way of avoiding blaming herself right like yes. she's projecting of- right she's that whole like you don't trust your six year old with your eight year old. I'm making a yeah yeah. You don't you don't yeah. trust your little kid with your slightly less little kid in a cave in Chicago. Like what? I, I don't understand why there's like a cave in the backyard or whatever. But okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> but but sure. Um, but like yeah, you you know that's I, I I personally I feel like often there's too much parental supervision of kids. But like when things are literally physically dangerous on a level like that like you there's probably a certain amount of caution that you know right uh is required like you know you, you crossing the street in new york like you know yeah it's and, and, and there's also an extent to which i mean i think like and granted i have some background on this because i used to do counseling for people who'd gone through like child loss and reproductive loss and like I do think that the most careful of parents might still sometimes have a horrible tragedy happen of like, course Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They like, didn't know there was going to be any water in this. Yeah. Game, yeah. Yeah. You know, it wasn't yeah. part of it. So, here's a question I have for you. And I, um, on the one hand, because I think part of the thing is also like, there's the, there's her reaction to everything, and then there's when she starts actually literally beating Stephen. Um, we and we we happily again don't really see it. It's Mark, sorry, but we see the belt, and we very clearly know what happens. We hear the beginning of it. On the one hand, I mean, childhood abu- abuse of kids happens all the time, unfortunately, and it does happen kind of to what you're saying, Will. I think the assumption is often that it's the male parent who's doing it when there is a male and a female parent, but sometimes it is the female parent. It probably is more often the male parent, but it's it's not exclusive yeah. by any means. In some ways, though, I didn't like that because I felt like there was this really interesting, I mean, a horrible dynamic where – the mother was saying these terrible things to to Mark, but mostly she was just like she was so broken and she was couldn't be around him that that put him into this utter place of complete and total blaming himself and 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 hating himself and all this kind of stuff. And that when it crosses into her physically abusing him. I don't know. Somehow, somehow for me, it kind of made it a little bit of a simp like even more horrific and horrible to be 100% sure, but it made it more simple. It, 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 it felt like it kind of took away what had been a little more, more of a nuanced situation. Mm-hmm. If it, mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Or am I just right? Going out of the way to make sure that we see the mom as the bad guy. Right. Right. Yeah. Like in case you didn't know that what she's doing is horrible, emotional abuse. Here's some physical abuse for those of you who don't yeah. care about that sort of thing. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's fine, but I also think, like, not fine, like, don't do that to your kids. But, like, I mean, it's it's fine to portray that, but we don't often get a lot of stories of, you know, strong emotional abuse in the absence of, of physical abuse. And it might right. be interesting to, to see a story where that's the focus. And it does feel to me like once she crosses into physical abuse, it seems like it would be easier for Mark to now just focus his anger on her as opposed to on himself. But I, I don't know. I mean, I've never been in that situation. So I, I, I certainly can't speak from experience in terms of that, how that might affect someone. Yeah. I mean, and maybe this is just because, I mean, I, I, 
I have dealt with emotional abuse from from parents. I've not dealt with physical abuse, um, not in any real way. Um, but like to me, of all the things that hit me, it was the idea of a mother not willing to come down and eat birthday cake with her like nine year old son. Right. That that was the moment that broke me. That just like that level of because almost it seemed like it wasn't even intentional cruelty. It was just like cruelty mm-hmm. of neglect, you know, mm-hmm, and I'm right. like, I'm so focused on my own pain and blaming him that I'm not even thinking about how cruel this is to a kid. Yeah. 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 I feel like being an absent parent, emotionally absent might've been for lack of a better phrase, like more realistic or like, because that happened so long ago. And then to have that, uh, the next time we see a situation with his with his mother is when she passes away two months ago, mm-hmm. um, and that's when he when Mark breaks and and loses control over being able to go back and forth between uh, Mark and Steven. Um, I feel like if it was strictly emotional heartbreak and there wasn't this past of also physical abuse and probably pro- over years of physical abuse, I feel like it might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, more powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, I want to be very clear. I'm not for a minute trying to discount how incredibly traumatic physical abuse can be for a child or for anybody. Right. right. Um, I haven't experienced that, so I can't speak to it. But from my understanding of working with people and reading about it, you know, of course, I know it is devastating. That, that's not questioning that at all. And, and certainly, I think I've already read from people who say that, like, seeing that scene was both very difficult for them but also cathartic because of the own their own physical abuse from parents and i think if that's if that's how the scene spoke to you that's fantastic it's just my own perspective on it um but yeah let's get to that other part because i think the uh in terms of well even before we get to him coming back for shiva uh i wish yeah i was so happy with the jewish representation and i'll definitely talk about that in a bit um but again you had it during passover and it's egypt and all right. Oh. Putting that aside. <laughs> Putting that aside. Putting that aside. Um, but, yeah, so t- t- I'm so torn on the father because, like, that scene where the father's like, please don't go. I don't want to lose another son. And he says, you know, like, wh- why did you let it happen? And and here's also where the, the emotional to the physical kind of comes in. For me, again, one of the hardest parts of that scene was the father clearly trying to kind of make peace of saying, like, your mother's just not feeling well, you know, kind of making excuses for her. When I wanted him to go be like, God damn it, get down here. It's our son's birthday. You're either going to do this or we're this. We're not going to be a family. You know, I wanted him standing up for her, for, mm. for Mark a lot more. And. I think emotional abuse can be incredibly traumatic, like physical abuse. I don't want to get into which one is worse, but I feel like it is easier for someone else to ignore emotional abuse and to say, well, but I want to keep my family together. I want to keep the peace. I feel like once one parent is literally beating the child and the other is not just saying, I'm taking the child and getting away, it becomes very hard for me to, like, because I, I agree with you, Will. The father is so loving, is so caring. And yeah, he's lost one member of his family. Of course he doesn't want to have to choose between the two others. Mm-hmm. But I kind of fault him for not. And I, certainly Mark faults him. Or Mark faults him, and I can't blame Mark for that. Right. No, yeah, it's a good point. I, there, there's, no, there's no perfect answer here. But yeah, that's a good point. 
I do think that the timeline in terms of I thought the birthday scene was before the the physical abuse scene. It was, yeah. Right? So I feel like at that point it was reasonable to be like, hey, just sure. come on, let's let's can we just do this? Can we just, you know, Yeah, it yeah. seemed like that was forward. the next birthday after um what did yeah. what did, what is his name? Rolo? Is that what they called him? She called him Roro, I think. So Roro. I think it was like Roland. Yeah, I think it's Roland, Roland yeah. is his actual name. Uh, yeah, to be clear, I'm not saying the father should have like left his wife because she didn't come to the birthday party. Right. You're saying, You're like, saying that later, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it was more, it, it was more him kind of justify him making an excuse for for Wendy. Yes. Um, she's just feeling sick instead of being like, this is not okay. Right. Because right. when you see when you see that happen with the genders reversed, it's it it's always a big deal. Of right. when, like, when the mom is making excuses for the abusive father, right? And and we didn't necessarily bring that up initially, or I didn't. So that's a good point. Yeah, I I just I feel like at that point that was reasonable. Like, I I don't think like I don't know. I think that's a point at which it's reasonable to feel like there's a way to repair the situation. Yeah. You know, once the once the physical, which isn't to say that it's fine, right? It's just that yeah. maybe there's a way to move forward and be a family again and you know probably address what was going on with the emotional abuse once there's physical abuse then i to me that's a a fairly bright line but we don't necessarily know how much he knew about that like you know and so it's possible that that was like you know in the afternoon and he's off somewhere else you know and um you know if not but that's also the sort of thing that I, I do think people make excuses about, right? And kind of like mm-hmm. a lot of times I think people sort of like don't see what they don't want to see. Like they yeah. have suspicions, but they don't have evidence right in their face. So they mm-hmm. kind of have this plausible deniability to themselves, which isn't yeah. good, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't think he's without any, any fault in this situation, you know? Um, yeah. It seems like he was trying, but not succeeding, and so maybe yeah. try harder. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's very true, and I think part of what you're saying is making me think that on some level, like I, I am mad at him for making the excuse to Stephen of she's just not feeling well. Right. But I wondered also if maybe he's also making that excuse to himself, or he's sort of like, you know, maybe she. She, Wendy isn't probably saying to, to the father, I hate our son. I don't want to go to his birthday. Right. She's probably saying, I just don't feel well. And he's kind of going along with that because he doesn't want to accept, like, no, Wendy's just not able to be in the same room as her. Yeah. Son. And then also I think maybe there's an element of trying to spare Mark's feelings, you know, of like, right. be like, oh, to, you know, don't, to, it's not really the, what you think it is. Like, yeah, it is. But right. like, no. Yeah. And and that's one of those cl- classic moments where it's like, they're tr- the, the father has is admirable for wanting to try to do that, but I think it's so clear that Mark sees right through that. Like, for sure. <laughs> you're not sparing his feelings at all. Yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts on uh, – um, so, so, oh, so, so, yeah, so then we get to that moment where we really see Stephen emerge for the first time. Mm-hmm. And here again, in terms of the actual details of it, I want to go – I want to save most of that for when Saren is on – um, though, again, I've, I've seen a number of people on like TikTok and Twitter and the like saying that this feels very real to them in terms of how their own DID manifested, or at least as they understand it. Um, but yeah, what'd you think of, of getting to see that moment? Uh, actually, I'll start with Will. Is that similar to the origin story of Steven in the comics, or is that quite different? Um, it's 
not because it's a different um, uh, traumatizing event um, mm-hmm. that has to do with uh, uh, another character that has not been introduced. Mm. <clears throat> um, and actually, I honestly don't know anything about his mom from the comics. Um, and I looked it up and I couldn't find anything about her. There's like no mention. It's always that Mark is the son of Elias, the, the rabbi, hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. Chicago, but it doesn't say anything about the mom. Anyway. Um, so from the comics perspective, this is a more arguably a more, a, uh, personal internal, um, event. The other mm-hmm. one was a like uncle father figure. Um, that created the situation and it was more brutal um, from like a uh, bad person standpoint and not a uh, there was a death in our family and I'm taking it out on you standpoint um, and so and also Stephen Grant was not a um, fictional character <laughs> right from uh-huh. before um, it was very this is very much a, a personality grown um, completely naturally <laughs> uh, from compared to the comics. And then the third personality came about, I believe around the same time um, because there have been mention of third personalities uh, and brought up in theories and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not giving names or anything, but okay. um, I, I don't fair. feel like I'm <laughs> breaking my promise of keeping things away from you. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I uh, I really liked it. I think it was really well-timed um, as far as, like, she's about to break in, and he's like, how do I hide? But I can't physically hide, so how do I hide away in my mind? That was, um, yeah, I, I loved that scene so much. Yeah, I thought it was very powerful and, and felt convincing. And, um, I mean, I I had a friend with DID, and it, feels like it matches some of what she talked about her experiences but um Mm -hmm. you know it it felt very well played you know like it 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 works it works in the story and it feels convincing and powerful yeah and in some ways and this isn't i think it just happens with all stories i'm guessing like it wouldn't make sense for for this to this for it to play out exactly how it played out in the comics if for no other reason then the comics were written when we didn't have the last 30 or 40 years of knowledge about DID, you know? And so like, yeah. just, this is probably a more accurate trail because we understand it a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I found it was just so powerful and it, I loved how much it tied into so much else, you know, like the, the idea that Steven is this much kind of happier go lucky personality who's so horrified by the things that Mark is doing. And, and it's funny because we always thought, or at least I certainly thought that it was, uh, there was a lot of speculation over what's the thing that Mark did that he doesn't want Steven to know. And it was a lot of like, did he kill Layla's father? Is it something he did as Moon Knight? And so to realize like, no, the thing he's trying to protect Steven from, or try to hide from Steven, but that what we, as we find out is trying to protect Steven from, is this knowledge of what he did when he was, you know, a little boy. It was just. And what he went just, through. And who yeah, his mom he went is, through. yeah. Yeah, what he went through. Yeah, what he went through, but also, yeah, but but also what he did. I think that's so much he doesn't want Stephen to see. You know, yeah, he doesn't yeah. want, uh, which I just thought was such. Oscar Isaac is just an amazing actor, guys. Like, <laughs> very good. I have to say that in this episode, I also really enjoyed Ethan Hawke being this totally different hero. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I I think 
you know, it's multiple actors doing multiple roles, basically. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Especially because I kept waiting for the doctor to be a little bit evil. You know, for right, the doctor right. to be more hero like or more like I'm trapping you here. Yeah. Or even just like people but like I fundamentally believe that that doctor thinks that they are doing what is best for this person. Right. And like the degree to which when Steven showed up and the doc, Dr. Harrow was like, it's so good to see you, Steven. And just so like, let's call. Oh, I'm sorry. No, your mother. Well, actually, no, then he did the phone call thing. That was pretty hard. But like, oh, yeah, that was rough. Like, I di- I disagree with his psychiatric practices. <laughs> um, But I yeah, I just thought it was it was such a good detail that he just acts like a a doctor who's trying to do his best. Yeah. I'm saying a lot of stuff that you're not responding to. So someone else talk about something you want to get into. So I have, I have a bit of a a, a question in terms of, um, so you mentioned Shiva, right? Like here it's very clear. It's like, Oh, okay. Mark is Jewish, like officially a, you know, a Jewish protagonist in the MCU. Right. Which by the way, quick, just for those who don't know, Shiva is a practice that's associated with death in the Jewish tradition. Um, where it, it's kind of like a Jewish version of a wake, but it's 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 different, and it's that the idea is that the family spends about I think I think it's eight days. I'm not exactly sure. I'm bad Jew here. Um, say about something a bit bitter because people are like, "Wait, you're Christian?" I'll explain in a few minutes. Um, but um, so basically, the family just sort of opens the home. People bring food. People talk to them, and what the other people are doing is what's called sitting shiva. You're supposed to go and sit with the family and listen to stories and a lot of it's kind of like awake like you can laugh you can talk about other things you can play games but it's supposed to be a like an intentional time of mourning and of remembrance but also of the whole community coming to take care of the family of the one who's lost and so it's a a really beautiful tradition in that way um so anyway paul go on yeah so so there so mark chooses not to partake because you know obviously his history with his mom um just like Okay, so it's the first time you've had a, a Jewish protagonist in the MCU. And two of the major notes in the... First, we have a scene of him, like, trashing his yarmulke. Mm-hmm. And, and then the whole episode is kind of centered around his mom guilting him. Mm-hmm. Which, like, it, it did it, like, during... As I was watching the episode, like, I didn't even think about it. Because it doesn't feel like it's this, like, really bad stereotype kind of guilting. It's this very mm. specific, concrete something happened right and it felt very powerful but like i don't know the first time you have like a a a, like a overtly jewish mother like her whole thing is that she's guilting her son like i don't know i don't know that's fair and i i'll take this moment to explain (laughs) to explain myself uh i've told the story i've talked about this before but for those who have tuned in more recently or haven't heard it i grew up in an interfaith home my father is jewish my mother is christian um, by some people's definition, therefore, I'm not Jewish. Um, I have experienced anti-Semitism at various points in my life. Um, certainly the girl when I was eight years old, who uh, when I was in Texas, and she found out I, my father was Jewish. She asked if she could feel my horns. I was certainly Jewish enough for her. Um, yeah. Um, I kind of hate that it's in Texas because I, I think anti-Semitism like that is alive and well throughout the world. So my plate, like some people would say, and horns are like talk. positive in Texas. The whole yeah, yeah, right? cook them horns. only if they're long. Only if they're yeah. long, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, 
Man. And the thing is, Jews have. I actually have a question for you about that later. About, Will, I got in a whole discussion with a, uh, another friend of mine about like the, the term the Jew fro or the Jewish afro. And if that's oh, like the Hebrew or the. Yeah, like uh, that kind of stuff. Heard, yeah. That's a whole other discussion we get to for another time. Uh, maybe I'll cut that out because I get a whole bunch of angry emails. Um, angry emails but, are good. Yeah, it's true. Drive engagement. Um, but the point is, I want to think about this because I'm not sure if it is appropriate terms. But but yeah, there's a whole there's a whole like dialogue about Jewish hair and 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 how that's treated and stuff like that. Getting back to your question, the point being, like I feel like I do have some. I grew up in a Jewish home, or at least a home that was uh, honored an awful lot of Jewish traditions. I still continue to honor a lot of those Jewish traditions, like Yom Kippur and Passover, and you know, didn't eat bread for eight days and all that kind of thing. Um, and I certainly feel like anti-Semitism is something I've paid a lot of attention to in, in my media life and stuff. That being said, there's a lot of other characters I want to look to more. There's um, a person named Pop Culture Rabbi on TikTok. He's been making really great commentary on anti-Semitism and also but, but Jewish representation in Moon Knight. Uh, I'll post a link to his TikToks. Definitely check his stuff out. But your question, that never occurred to me. And I tend to be somewhat sensitive to those things. I think it's because... I think a and granted I did not have a Jewish mother. I had a, a Protestant mother, but I spent much time in those communities and the like. And I think and certainly my I have a Jewish grand I had a Jewish grandmother and I had my father talk about her very often. I think the stereotype often is that it's guilting you for things that are ridiculous. Right. You know, like you don't call enough. You know, I mean, you should call your parents or visit. Well, no, maybe, <laughs> if you want to have a relationship with them, calling them or visiting them from time to time is a good thing. Right. If you don't feel like you want to have a relationship with your parents. I'm just the king of disclaimers today. Um, <laughs> but the point being, or it's things like, you know, oh, you know, you the, the bath, the in our uh, TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend that I like, there's a wonderful song called Where's the Bathroom? And it's the Jewish mother. It, it's written by a Jewish woman, so it's very much like an internal commentary on this. But, you know, it's like the Jewish mother is mad. Like, oh, the, how could you put the bathroom on the second floor? Weren't you thinking about me? Stuff like that. Like, I feel like yeah. the guilting Jewish mother... Whereas to me, like what Wendy does. First of all, Wendy's not a very Jewish name. Yeah. Um. I, I guess maybe it can be. Um. But it. I. I was kind of left wondering if maybe like Wendy isn't Jewish and the father is. Right. I wasn't sure. Um. Sorry. Very long version to get to the the point. The the point of all this is that I didn't feel like that was Jewish mother behavior mm. because I felt like that's not what Jewish the Jewish mother stereotypes about. But also, I think that's like what I hope most mothers won't do. But I think, like, it, like if I saw a Catholic mother do that, I'd be like, oh, what a Jewish mom. I wouldn't be like, oh, what a Jewish mom she is. You know, right, I'd be right. like, any mother, any parent who experiences the just brain-breaking trauma of a child dying, yeah, I think is, it would be would be capable, or hopefully not, but is is possible that they're going to do something horrible like what she does to Mark. But I, I didn't associate it with Judaism necessarily. Yeah. Anyway. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the other thing of what you said, which is the him taking the kippah off, because yeah. to me that is I, – I, well, let me actually ask you, that, the two of you, how did you read that scene of him as part of him deciding he's not going to go into the family house and he kind of takes the kippah off and he kind of bangs it against the floor, the ground and then he, he kind of – Stephen takes over? Uh, to me that kind of – that read as – I'm just hurting. I'm in pain. I want everything to break kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily as what could be read as like a statement of like, I reject my 
my religion. I reject what I'm supposed to do because he's supposed to go inside and do right. um, the Shiva mm. and stuff. Um, but because I don't have any experience with Shiva and the Jewish community other than like a friend that I grew up with in, in elementary school. Um, to me, that was just a lashing out and like mm. to, to the point of like tearing down. Uh, oh wow. That was a terrible, descri- terrible random idea. But um, like uh, da, 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 if you were like, if you were like a pastor and you had like um, you're wearing like a uh, a rosary around your neck mm-hmm. and then just like ripping it off because you're just in pain. And yeah. I kind of feel like it's not necessarily a rejection of the religion. It's more of just a rejection of I don't want to follow the rules right now. I'm just hurting. Yeah. To me, to but me, I'm an outsider. <laughs> To me, it felt not like a rejection of like the religion or or ethnicity. It felt actually like a rejection of the family, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. That was like a family obligation he was going to, yeah. And that he's you know obviously he's very literally rejecting it by not going in. But then this is like a sort of physical act that can kind of add to that and yeah underscore that. Yeah, like I, I think there's a lot of different ways to read it, and I, I, I'm certainly not going to say like, okay, now that you two have answered, I'm going to give the real answer. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I'm really curious to hear all these different perspectives, because it's it's a moment that really hit me, and I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, to me, I think all all what you're saying, I think, is probably true. Um, I, I think especially because of the fact that like there's some people who keep their head covered at all times. Uh, there are also a lot of people, myself included, for whom. You put a kippah on or a yarmulke or a, a hat or you, you cover your head when you're going in – when you are going to be Jewish kind of is mm. often the way it's described. Okay. Like when, you, when you're going into synagogue or when you're going to a Jewish function or a Jewish holiday, that's when you put it on. Um, and so the fact that we never see Mark wearing it – you know, he's not like wearing it when he's a, a, as a kid or anything like that uh, or even as a, a teenager – yeah, to me, I, th- I feel like it was kind of like he puts that on because he's about to go into this place of his of his family's Judaism, and, and it, part of it's rejecting that. I also think there's got to be something to the fact that he is, like, it isn't about. I don't think it's directly about rejecting the Jewish God, but like he is quite literally working for another God. He has experience in another God at this point. And so there is, I think some level of like, yeah, I'm taking off this symbol for this other God because I'm, I'm now with this God. Um, I'm down with Khonshu. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing there is that for me, it's funny, even before this episode, I had seen a post where someone was saying, how can you think that it isn't clear that, um, Mark is Jewish? Um, because, and they listed a couple of things. One of them is that he spends every episode arguing with God because one of the things that's cons- – it, it, it's a joke, but it's in like Abraham does it, uh, Isaiah does it, Jacob does it, um, Job does it, uh, and and all the prophets do it is, is arguing with God, yelling with God, and at some points outright rejecting God. Um, and, and so to me, I, I don't know how many Jewish theologians or, or Jewish thinkers were, were – in the writing room or if they consulted them the way they consulted DID, it's entirely possible they just threw it as a throwaway, like, this is a thing connected to his family. I think there could be a lot of, like, 
Jewish theological cultural significance there of him kind of like, you know, this is supposed to be the safe space because God is supposed to be protecting me and like things are supposed to be working out. And that, I mean, that's, that's literally the Job story is, you know, I was a good person. I did everything I could. All these terrible things happened to me and I, I'm going to reject God because of it. And then all sorts of other things happen that make that story complicated, but yeah. yeah. So I, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it feels very intentional to me and, I think yeah. it's not necessarily one thing or the other either, right? I mean, yeah. I think a lot of times we'll get visual things or, or you know, story beats that play on multiple levels. And it, it feels like it does that here. Mm -hmm. Especially because I, I think this is one part I'm not clear on. That is also the moment where, where Stephen really fully takes over and becomes fully actualized. I don't know if that's the right word, but like becomes sort of in control for a significant period of time. And I wondered, so if part of the idea is that Stephen is not Jewish, at least doesn't think of himself as Jewish, mm. and that, that that's kind of why he's taking it off. Will, in the comics, is Steve, are they both Jewish? That's, that's a question. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think that's ever been a conversation had with so in in the comics there's like always like a mindscape or representation of how the um personalities uh converse with each other whether mm -hmm. we're talking about bruce banner or we're talking about mark specter um there's always some sort of like mindscape and i don't believe that's ever been a conversation either as a story point or as an idle like filler space Mm. Of like if the other personalities or Stephen also consider themselves Jewish, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. So that's all I got. You know, just one or two things to say about the episode. But what else, what else for you two was was worth commenting on or talking about or asking about? Um, I loved the, uh, when oh, I forget the hippo's name, Temeret. Yeah. Um. Yeah talks about how there's other afterlife planes of existences um other people are are going off about how she specifically mentions the ancestral plane and you know that's that's the black panther um mm -hmm. spiritual plane but like just that she mentions that or acknowledges that there's countless other afterlives and this is just the one that you guys fell into um just makes me so excited because it just opens up. We can we can easily quote unquote easily do a Hercules and the Greek pantheon and also have mm. you know the underworld there mm, and the and the river sticks and all this other stuff and it's totally fine and it's been established that we can do that just by this one sentence. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like yeah, depending on your own personal beliefs, there's you're going to experience a different kind of afterlife. I, I just oh, that that's one of the things from the comics that I didn't know if we'd be able to um, accurately mix into something like the MCU that mm. has traditionally been a little more grounded comparatively. So uh, I'm just I'm super excited for whatever that means in the future. <laughs> nice. Well, and that is nice too because it, I don't know uh, how you feel about Paul, but it, it does speak to that idea of the concern that this is the MCU kind of saying like the Egyptians are right, you know, mm. or, I'm not talking about mm. like that the Egyptian 
the ancient Egyptian pantheon's understanding so that, like, you know, when Captain America, you know, kills someone or Iron Man kills someone or when, you know, Tony Stark dies, he's not necessarily going to the Egyptian boat right. uh, on this river of sand, you know? Because, um, yeah, I, I think in many ways that's my problem is that, that kind of, like, once once you start to say, like, this religion is real in Earth terms, that feels like you've made a truth statement that, that is a kind of like, what, what, you know, that's a weird thing for the MCU to de- declare, but also like it, 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 that's very hard to, to fit into everything else that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I also feel like, uh, given that, I wonder if they would have done Thor differently if they knew they're going to do this, you know, twelve years down the road. Oh line. right. Oh, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, maybe. It, yeah, to me, um, you know, the whole idea of afterlives, um, like I never. It's always hard talking about religion and, like, thoroughly not believing in it because, like, I always want to be clear that, like, I never want to disparage anyone for whatever they believe, right? Right. But at the same time, like, I also, on a personal level, find most of those beliefs, like, utterly fantastical and, like, okay. And the idea, like, the fact that so many different people have believed so many completely different things that just happen to line up with wherever they were born most of the time like to me is a little bit of a sort of like really man that's a that's a huge coincidence and i understand that all of these things could theoretically be different understandings of one sort of central principle right um and so i think whenever you take a story like a a sci-fi story basically right where you do have fantasy you have things that like aren't that don't exist in our world. Um, then when you go into these things, I think that's always like a very, like you always, it's, it's, it's a gamble, right? Cause it's like, are you going to say like all these things are true, but they're all kind of true from a certain point of view. And like, I think that's an interesting way. Like I think all the different pantheons are super fun, you know? And, but it's like, how do they work with like, like where are Tony and Natasha? Like, are they somewhere or like, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, I know like DC has like the Greek gods at least. Right. And there's like a Hades, but then there's also just like ghosts, right? There's like Boston. What's his name? Boston something. Um, and dead man. And like it, it, it's tricky. And I guess for me, like the easiest way to deal with it is just be like, all right, you do you, you know, I'll take it as it comes in the story, you know, and the whole, uh, there is some point where all the things are interconnecting so many things. It's like, I'm like, I I don't know how all these things really fit together, but like somehow comics always seem to pull it off just by like, you don't need, um, you know, like the idea of canon is that there's like one, this is all the stories that are real and this is all one reality. But like in, in comics, I feel like a lot of time it's like, so so Batman's story was this. Now it's this. Don't worry about it, you know? And then sometimes there's a big <laughs> thing like Flashpoint or in, in, you know, the MCU, the whole multiverse thing. And, like, then you do a big story about it. But at the same time, it's also like, don't, don't worry about it. Like, you yeah. know, it's like, just just enjoy the ride. And, and that's kind of where I end up kind of stuck being, where it's like, you know, I'm like, as long as we get off this boat, I guess I'm okay. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> and like, honestly, like killing the God to keep yourself from ending up in, you know, wherever you're going to end up. Okay. I'm cool with that. Like, it's probably <laughs> going to be really hard, I would think. And she seems like a sweetheart. Like, you know, I'd rather t- maybe let's go with incapacitate instead and turn the boat around, yeah. right? If you can pull that off. But like, you know, self-preservation. Yeah. And it's funny too, because like, I definitely hear what you're saying. I think it, you know, it's, it's worth pointing out that I think for an awful lot of religious people, um, myself included, worrying about like having a fixed idea of what the afterlife is um, certainly there's almost nothing of that in Judaism. And I think a lot more Christians are coming back to an understanding of like, that's not the point. The point is what right. happens here in this life and what you do in this life. And everything else is a mystery. We don't know. But there are some people who have very specific ideas about angels and devils and all this kind of stuff. I think it's ridiculous. Like, I, I have just as much the ridiculousness of that being fantastical, but fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me, this feels very much like when you know, T'Challa or Killmonger, you know, eats the purple flower or no, I think it's like they, they ground it up and like he breathes the dust of it um, to take him to the vision quest kind of thing in the ancestral lands, uh, which if I'm getting the terminology wrong, please correct me. Ancestral um, plane, right? Ancestral plane. Thank you. <laughs> I don't like, I think it is possible to see that as there is literally a different plane of existence on which his father still exists, as do all these other uh, former Black Panthers and kings of Wakanda, and he is literally talking to them. I think it's also possible he's basically on an LSD trip, right. um, you know, encountering the the version of his father that he thinks he does. And right. especially given how different the ancestral plane looks to T'Challa versus how it looks to Killmonger, to me, it's very much a like, yeah— you go where you where your own mind takes mm, you, kind of a thing, right. you know. As and it's you understand a, it, mm. yeah, yeah. And I mean the same way that, like, I think, like, you know, uh, you know, the peyote rituals that um, I don't want to say Native American because of one very specific tribe of Native Americans. I don't know which one it was. I think this. I, I don't even want to try to get, but you know, that idea is like, you know, it it can be seen as like the peyote is opening you up to the spirits talking to you. It can be seen as it's opening your mind to think of things in new ways. Um, you know, whatever it can be. And, and yeah, I think, I think, I think I like that idea a lot more than like, this is the literal thing that happens. And what I keep coming back to is we have like, if we had, if <laughs> it would be funny, like so far we've only seen two Jewish rituals in this show, both of which were Shiva Shiva for, the, the son and then Shiva for the mother. I think if we actually saw Mark die and then we saw like Mark's father holding Shiva for Mark mm. and that's when this all happened, I think I'd really not like it because then I would kind of feel like, yeah, this is saying like he's actually dead and this is actually what happens when you die. I think there's enough room to think that like this is all what's going through his head in the 0.5 seconds as he's, you know, about to die from the gunshots and maybe the divinity is going to step in and heal him. That's what allows me to kind of feel about it much more in this metaphorical kind of a sense. Um, Cause yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Paul. If, if it like, if we had two or three episodes in this world and treated this world, like kind of the way, like with Loki and treating the whole, like um, I don't even remember where it go, but the, the whole, like the, the realm at the end of time that they all go to in Lester. I just hated that. I hated <laughs> that so much. And that's not even a divinity thing. That's just a nonsense time travel wibbly wobbly. Timey wimey. 
<laughs> anyway, no more about Loki, but yeah. <laughs> Rant over. I'm ranting a lot. I apologize today. That's okay. <laughs> I'm it's just on, here to it's on set topic. the volleyball up so you can spike it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, spiking is quick. Anyway. So. Yeah. I'm criticizing my metaphor, not your, spike. you know, ranting. Yeah, there you go. There it's you go. Spike in hey. an episode of anime it takes a little bit longer. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say I'm on Team Spike, not Team Angel, but that's a whole other story. Oh. With the exception of a certain episode in season six that yeah. I think was terribly written and terrible with the character, but anyway. Um, <laughs> now that we're off on eight million different tangents, any other last things, Paul? Do you have any bullet points we haven't covered yet? I'm good. I'm good. Will, what about yourself? Um. Yeah, I'm good. I so I am equally excited. I'm excited for this last episode. Um, mm-hmm. One because I want to know where they're going, and two, there are a couple of things from the comics I want to see if they're going to work in, and three, I'm still just excited to do like a season recap yeah. <laughs> and just explode <laughs> yeah. about yeah, comic everything. stuff. <laughs> Oh, at this point, we're doing, like, five-season recaps. We That's have, like, fine. You know, right, right, someone right. to come on, and we're going to talk about the Jewishness of it. We're going to talk about the DID-ness of it. We're going to talk about, like, all this different put. But, but so, Will, you're good. Paul, you're good. Yeah. I'm good because I'm wearing the most comfortable pair of boxer shorts I have ever owned in my life. Wow, uh, I got segue. Them from, I got them from Manscaped. I, I'm becoming pretty darn good at these. Uh, listen to my episode so on solid. mythology and how I challenge the myth that male people shouldn't groom themselves in good ways. Uh, but today, yeah, that's the, that's the transition. I'm feeling good because I'm wearing boxer shorts by Manscaped. Uh, Manscaped it is a sponsor of this episode. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. They're the best in below-the-waist grooming. Uh, they offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I hate that line, but I'm going to say it every time because I want their money. Uh, more importantly, I want to give you the chance to get their product for less money. Uh, they recently launched the Ultimate Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. 4.0. 4.0. million people worldwide have used Manscaped, uh, and they've trusted that Manscaped with, you know, a, putting a blade against a pretty particular part of their body. I think, uh, Paul, you said you have made use of the, the, the trimmer. Yeah, I wasn't success. super specific about how, but yeah. It, okay, it yeah, feels safe and, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the boxy shorts are fantastic the uh um you know the deodorant and and toning uh you know it, it was a lot warmer day it's pronounced uh, I tried ball ec- toner that's also true that's also true um crop duster i think is another term that's used for it crop um i i did some exercising today i haven't really been exercising a bit there was some chafing you know that happens you're sweating a lot and the the uh um toner uh kind of gel stuff was actually pretty damn good so if you're interested in the uh manscaped lifestyle for whatever gender, if you have balls and that that kind of requirements, um, go to manscaped.com. And if you use the, the promo code HEROETHICS, H-E-R-O-E-T-H-I-C-S. I'm amazed that I've spelled that correctly every time I've done this. But HEROETHICS at Manscaped, you get 20% off. You get the full performance package. You can, you can get the... Um, uh, just a pair of boxers. You can get the. Uh, I have had a couple of guests now say that they want the um, the weed whacker, which is the one for your nose and ear hair. Um, which uh, Ricky said that he used, and then all of a sudden he could like hear things. Uh, yeah, he he said he used it on the ears and he could hear things a lot better. 
Um, so yeah, it's 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 great stuff. Uh, uh, Will, have you tried out your uh, Manscaped package yet? I think you said you got boxer shorts. I got boxers. I got the straight razor, and I got the body wash. Um, nice. I haven't. I just got the boxers out of the laundry uh, last night, so they will be first on the. You know, next time I have to wear boxers. Uh, okay. Thing today was not one uh, was not a boxer day, um, but, but uh, by next episode I will have a review for most of it. I I'm, I do kind of need a shave, so awesome, uh, awesome. Did did you, you know. say the the straight razor? Yeah, it's like a little. It's a manual razor for your oh, face. Oh, okay. It's not of, an actual because the thing. I used to yeah, actually it's not shave. A little, like, with a straight razor, with a literal oh, straight sorry, razor. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Manual razor, not okay. straight razor. As okay. In like okay. A giant and they, they suggest that we tell shaving injury stories, which this was my head, but I used to shave <laughs> the sides of my head in that style before everybody was rocking the undercut. And I dropped the straight razor, and my instinct when I drop things is to catch them, <laughs> oh, which no. I did. And, uh,. I, I think the scarf finally went away 25 years later, but uh, yeah. So you know these are uh, safer, safer tools. Yeah, for, yeah you know, these are precision. Uh, it is a ceramic blade in the uh, Manscaped trimmers, which is meant to be even safer, but still sharp enough to do your hair stuff, but not to cut you in other ways. Um, you know, it, it's just great. It's just great stuff. They've put so much time and effort into this. Uh, I, I. Yeah, I'm not going to insult the product more about their name, but it doesn't have to be Manscaped. Lots of people scape. It does um, have cape yeah, it, in it, though, you know? Yeah, it does that's have true. A yeah, okay. Cape, cape scaped. I like that. So, yeah, check it out. Um, <laughs> it's definitely worthwhile. There's some great products there. And, and also, it's a way to support this podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, so please check that out. And if you really, really don't want to hear ads about that, email me with the subject line, I would like to be a patron. <laughs> we can talk about other ways of raising money for this for this podcast. Um, that being said, I am happy to sponsor be sponsored by them. It's a great product. Um, Will, I'm looking into your window and I'm seeing Legos and I'm thinking it's fun to see the Lego as a completed project. But what if I wanted to watch you build Legos? That's a great question. Thank you, Matthew. So <laughs> I have a Twitch. Uh, is twitch.tv slash silverdreamer, silver with a Y. Um, and during the week, I build sets. With, uh, sometimes it's Lego kits. Sometimes it's model kits uh, like Gunpla and such like that. Um, I do that on Wednesdays and Friday evenings at 6.30 Pacific on Twitch. Come and find me. Uh, Saturdays, I have a workout stream. You can use channel points to dictate what workout I do. And then Sundays, I have a comic-themed uh, stream where I am going through my comic book collection and organizing it all to see exactly how many comics I own. Nice. I nice. will say I really enjoy watching Will's stream, and I have a lot of channel points. So one of these Saturdays, I'm going to roll in, <laughs> and you are going to be very sore on Sunday. <laughs> and I see the mystery box up there that uh, I remember you building kind of early on yeah. in the stream. Yeah. That's the some, like, really cool Lego. Question block. I, I would love to watch on Twitch as you just teach him, like, one or two basic, like, Taekwondo things he should be doing every day to, you know, do, like, a 100 reps of something or whatever. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. You could do that. I have a Twitch uh, as well. <laughs> I'm Zen yeah, Madman. I don't really do it. I know you're you're setting uh -huh. me up and I'm cutting you off. Sorry, but that's yeah, fine. <laughs> I figured I would just expedite the process. There um, you go. Yeah, you do make videos somewhere though. Where do you make videos? I do. I make videos currently on YouTube as Zen Madman Poker 
is my poker videos. I have some, I have an old channel, just Zen Madman. Um, not just Zen Madman, Zen Madman. It's, there's, there's no just. Um, and it's got a bunch of videos from a while ago, which some of which are probably hilarious, not necessarily intentionally, but um, yeah, so there's, there's that. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, definitely check out both of those folks. Um, and of course, if you want to check out the other podcasts I'm doing, you should uh, go to theethicalpanda.com. There you'll find my episodes of Superhero Ethics. Uh, this podcast, you'll also find episodes of Star Wars Universe podcast. Uh, I recently did an episode of the Album Concept Hour, which I had to yell at the host because it was almost two and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> they edited it down significantly. Uh, but it was really great because we discussed an album um, that was a very big part of my childhood, um, Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. Oh, you did Appetite. And I got Appetite. to talk about how I both love the music so much and that um, re-listening to the lyrics 30 years later has um, they hit a little differently. I have maybe a little different understanding of the um, gender politics and uh, sexual mores that's displayed in those in those records. Um, but yeah, we don't just bash on it. We get in really good discussions about like what was happening with all those songs, what was the meaning behind them, how Slash doesn't like Sweet Child of Mine, which baffles me, but I guess I can also understand. But it's great the greatest guitar like solo ever. <laughs> you know, I could understand why you wouldn't like one in a million, but anyway. Yeah, it's it's a whole bunch there. Um, anyway, but check all that out. And there, of course, also you can find all the ways to contact me. Um, uh, there, of course, you can find all the ways to give us feedback. We love feedback. Tell us what you think. What do you think of the, um, what's happening in this show? Do you have experience with uh, dissociative identity disorder? Do you, are you Jewish or have experience with Judaism and have thoughts on the representation there? Do you just want to talk about how Oscar Isaac is just a phenomenal actor and all the acting was great? Like, honestly... I am often very critical of child actors. The two kids who played like little kid Mark and like teenage Mark were both, I mean, they're small parts, but very emotionally harrowing parts. And they both did them so well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, tell us what you think. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, email, all the places, carrier pigeon, all that's on theethicalpanda.com. So uh, well, actually carrier pigeon is not because carrier pigeons are not an ethical way to treat animals. So, I do have the ethical way to contact me by Carrier Pigeon on the website, which is not to do it. So on behalf of myself, everybody else, Will, Paul, all the pigeons, thank you, and have a great day. Take care. Later. Bye. Sooner. <laughs>